Okay, hello and welcome to Hashup Games Gaming Corner. Uh, so we are today going to uh, post a rather old recording, uh, almost three weeks now. The main reason is because I couldn't get to uh, editing with other interviews. So today you're going to hear the actual raw interview between me and uh, the XP Guild uh, with, uh, with them. And uh, well, here you guys are. I really hope you enjoy this because uh, I had a blast with this when I was on live with uh, Dave and his friend Bill, I believe it was. And they were both really, uh, really great people. They were very fun to be around, uh, great to talk to, very high energy people. You'll see what I'm talking about in a few minutes here. Um, but thank you guys all for tuning in. I'm sorry this took longer than I expected. That apology extends to you guys at the XP Guild because I was hoping to have this a little more polished than this uh, for when I released it. But thank you all for staying tuned in and thank you, the XP Guild, for contributing to this podcast. Hello. Hello? Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Welcome, Welcome to, to uh, my little stick song here. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're coming uh, in kind of choppy right now. So, oops, oops. It is a live recording. It may be a little bit sporadic at points. I apologize for that. Uh, no problem. I think uh, uh, Bill should be here shortly. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> okay, so uh, today we have brought in uh, Dave and Bill from the XP Guild to talk about DMing tips. Uh, I'm actually quite excited myself for this, guys, because even though I myself am an experienced DM, I love to see other DMs' perspectives and other players' perspectives, because not only does that help me be a better DM, but it gets the like gears turning, you know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure, for sure. So um, I'm going to hop off of what most questions I get asked, and I don't always know how to answer these. So hopefully you guys can provide a little bit better of light on this. Um, so when somebody wants to approach doing a from-scratch tabletop game, I know it's a big gargantuan task and a lot of people when they're starting as DMs, they think, you know what, I want to create my world. I want to just run my own world. And I know from our perspective as experienced DMs, yes, it's a gargantuan task. It takes a while, but a lot of DMs don't realize how big of a task. So I was hoping maybe we could take the approach of breaking down kind of what to expect when you're homebrewing or uh, building your own mechanics, period. Um, <laughs> the way I started, um, and pretty much the way me and Bill started um, the XP Guild, is we started with just a basic idea, really. I mean, um, my very, very first world uh, out of high school, it was an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Uh, you literally could see every terrain feature on it. <laughs> um, okay. And it started out with one pretty much a town. Um, as far as the XP Guild is concerned, uh, we uh, started with our, uh, our, uh, our baby, uh, Umberhaven, which is this uh, 
Metropolis City um, that is massive in its own right. So, and then we just grew from there. I mean, I think the easiest thing to tell newbies, um, as they're called, I guess, is don't think on the big picture just yet. (laughs) Um, Because you'll be like, oh my God, I'm trying to find a needle in a haystack in the Library of Congress. (laughs) So, um, So, I, I guess what you're trying to get at there is just pick a spot, work from there, and expand. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think uh, I think start with what you're passionate with first. Because if you're not excited about something, like it's going to be hard to come up with inspiration. Um, when yeah. Dave and I started, we're like, okay, Umbra Haven. We had this idea of just just doing a city, like only running things in the city. And so far, we've mostly been that city, but we've then made a whole world and backstory and deities and everything. But we we're passionate about that urban setting. And from there, everything else sprung out. Oh, wow. Also, listen to your players. Because that's what um, drove us to create more. Because our players are like, what about this? And what about this? How do I do that? Where does that go? You know, and, and answer all those questions from your players. Because... That's world building as a cooperative right there. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the, the beautiful things I'm enjoying right now, because I, uh, I have started a gargantuan task. I don't know if either of you are familiar with the animation Sword Art Online. I'm not. No. Yeah, not at all. Okay. Well, it's pretty much this over-glorified version of RuneScape, but for a full-dive oh. VR headset. And you can okay. actually immerse into the game. That's the pretty much gist of it. Um, okay. The developer of the game traps players inside of the game, and if you die in the game, you die in real life. To sum yeah. it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so this whole system is based off of the hints and, and the little XP items and the little hints, drops, events, everything that occurred in the entirety of what I've seen for the series. I've taken that and compiled all of the mechanics, everything that makes logical sense from that series, and converted it into a playable game, which is now able to be converted between Dungeons & Dragons uh, formats and just st- standard role-playing formats for text RPGs. Oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah, I mean, that's another great way, right? Like, you pick something that you're passionate about, not necessarily, like, in your world, but, like, you found this um, this show and mm-hmm. realized that, okay, this is a really cool setting, a really cool thing. Now let me take that and extrapolate that into a playable system. Yeah. Well, one thing that got me into this this idea of going into this anime was the idea of, not very often in D&D do you get the opportunity to actually craft your own weapons. You don't get the yeah. in, uh, opportunities to interact on that deep level. And I wanted something that would act like that, like an MMO would, and be that deep. So now we've got player versus player mechanics uh, ready to go and balanced. Um, we're working on guild systems and we're working on mob drops and rngs and everything like we we've gone to taking it to a next mathematic level we wanted all the deep information right so 
we brought it to the percentiles. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah. Yes. Awesome, awesome. Yes. So um, building these mechanics has definitely been a chore, I find. Um, <laughs> I, when you go to look at deriving from a mechanic, say uh, a certain spell mechanic in, in D&D 5th edition, because I know that's more than likely the, the general populace's uh, favorite strain of D&D right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for, sure. for now. Um, so how would you derive and, and pick what to change of a system? Like, how, how, how do you go through your decisions on what to keep and what to change for systems when you're doing your homebrews? Oh. Um, <laughs> so what, what we've done so far, like, for the spell that we've created for our game, um, because it's come up that actually Dave's character in my game um decided to create a spell so what i did with that is i took mechanics from different spells and put them together um because i generally think even though there are spells that are intentionally broken like fireball um (laughs) jeremy crawford and all them will tell you we intentionally did that because it's iconic but other than that like (laughs) kind of balance things out and they've got years of experience um i mean Dave and I have played a lot and done that, but like me, like homebrewing everything from the ground up sort of thing is fairly new. Um, it's, but it's a very fun aspect of it. But I take things that are existing and then I tweak it. And then you play with it. And if it doesn't work, then you tweak it some more. Um, I think yeah. that's the thing play test, repeat, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I'm on the opposite spectrum. I can spend easily 12, almost 24 hours just world building and taking apart systems, putting them back together. But, you know, it becomes kind of a obsessive thing, you know, because you do that, but then you don't play, you know, you don't test your system out, you know. So there has to be a happy balance between that. Um, And um, so far, me and Bill has found that um our we've we released our first module um this past uh november we're about to release our second one um here soon and uh yeah if it wasn't for the players we'd still be sitting there going okay what mechanic do we want to use for this okay maybe we should tweak it there maybe should we you know so on and so forth you know so but uh, yeah yeah it's 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 a good thing to uh just adapt, you know, so. Oh, wow. See, that's phenomenal because uh, when, like, me and my friends, we sit in D&D off to the side, outside of my, like, normal roleplay server and everything else. Um, and one one of these uh, roleplays that I did off to the side, uh, these, these uh, D&D games, I took a mechanic that they had for a charisma uh, spell and wound up using it and applying it as a mental state mechanic. So, Because one of my characters I wanted to use in the story had a special condition that would change their mental state. So because of that mental state mechanic, she could go from being your friendly person in your party to the player killer that just turned around and tried to field wipe you. Yeah, and she did it on a dime. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a big thing, right? Like you find something that is already kind of balanced and designed, and then you alter it just enough to make it fit the story that you're you're trying to tell with your players. Yes. And honestly, right now with you guys bouncing this with me, it's a lot easier for me to try to put it to words because myself, I can't put this to words very well. I'm just like, you know what I'm trying to pull off. And then you guys are like, yeah, well, here, here's your actual answer. We're throwing here. This is, we know what you're trying to ask. (laughs) I can tell you guys have more experience on tabletops than I do. (laughs) Yeah. I have been running. So I first started playing in 1987. Holy I yeah. officially started actually running games when uh, first edition or second edition was brand new on the shelf because I was going to run first edition, but you couldn't like find it on, you know, uh, bookstore shelves. But this brand new edition of second edition came out. So in 1989, that's when I first started running games. Um, beyond that, I've run a ton of different game systems. Um, I've done a ton of different, you know, campaigns and settings and, you know, hundreds, if not, you know, shoot, almost probably a thousand people I've run games for. And your players are the key to anything. And, um, Definitely listen to them, no matter what. And uh, whether it's bad, stupid, good, whatever, you know, um, they will uh, make you think and uh, rewrite stuff. <laughs> so, yep, that is that is very true. I remember I was running a very uh, simple fifth edition knockoff. I homebrewed one item and broke the entire game's economy by giving it to a player. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just because of how I chose to word the item, down to the wording, and it was just simply me saying it is an al- a jug of alchemy that can only pour s- liquefied objects through its hole. Mm. Well, what do they do? They fill up barrels with liquid gold and solidify it, and then they go to the bank and sell it. Yeah, yeah, that's well, another. Shit, there goes the game yeah. economy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that point there's a couple things you do one right you go okay that's not the intended use of this item so kudos for the very creative thought but uh <laughs> no more or it breaks or whatever or you can say okay that's great but now there's so much gold in this town in this area in this region that now a healing potion is five hundred thousand gold or whatever you know like yeah that, there's too much gold running around and no one wants to work anymore. So you can't actually buy anything because everyone's set for life now or whatever it is, you know? So, uh, I take it. Uh, you guys have known each other for quite some time then because you and Bill have a very, a very strong dynamic together. It's a very (laughs) positive and, uh, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It has a very good banter to it, and you guys just have this way of working in unison. Um, strangely, not as long as you probably would guess. Yeah, I um, know, right? <laughs> it's what, like two years now? Yeah. You joined, yeah. you joined my campaign. I started a campaign on my uh, original channel um, and was running that, and Dave joined me like the third or fourth session because I had a bunch of my real-world friends um, 
their life got crazy and they couldn't join me. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll look for people online. And then uh, had an, one player in our game. And then he said, oh, hey, I know this other guy if you are if you need someone. And he hit up Dave. Dave joined. And we kind of hit it off pretty quickly. Within yeah. uh, five, six months, we're like, okay, well, we're working on this. You're working on that channel. But, you know, and I came from a podcasting background originally. I had a 40K podcast for years. Um, so I know the power of having a good partner in a project like this. And mm. Dave and I were hitting it off, and he's very creative with this wealth of knowledge of uh, the history of the game and all, you know, different role-playing games, which is where I'm weak. I've really only played D&D &D, um, and a couple other little side stints, but nothing extensive like Dave's done. And just as our relationship grew as, you know, mm. DM player and playing in other games together, um, commiserating over players that drove us crazy. Um, <laughs> we kind of created this pretty strong friendship. I mean, we've never actually met in person. Yeah, yet. yeah, not um, not at all. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's all, all online. online. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he lives... That's awesome. Like a five-hour flight from me. So, or four, yeah. I don't know what it's... So, hopefully in October, I'll meet him for the first time yeah. in person uh, as exactly. I'm going to a city... But yeah, other than that, it's uh, it's luckily it was a good uh, good match, and that's how um, yeah, it's yeah. from for for sure. Oh. And and I I, I and, and that's what I want to encourage about new uh, new DMs and even players. You know, take advantage of this the this thing you've got in front of you now because when I started out, you literally had to get someone to drive you to a gaming store and hope they weren't a douche, you know, as far as, you know, players or people there and you had to meet people. I mean, you can still do that to this day, you know, but you're looking at a handful of people within your city versus thousands, if not millions of people online, you know, so if, if one person doesn't work out, so be it. Move on to the next person, you know, but keep yeah. a positive, keep a positive attitude about it. You know, don't, don't get into a negative headspace because if you get into a negative headspace, then it all goes belly up and then you're, then you're not gaming anymore. You're not having fun. And that was, that's the key thing behind gaming is to have fun, you know? So, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a, another tip for uh, young or new DMs that are starting out. <clears throat> you should find a system that works for you that actually will rotate between the people at your table or at your your server mics, comms, whatever. Because yeah. as the DM, it is very easy to get overwhelmed by six people trying to tell you what they want to do at the same time. <laughs> so you should pick some sort of system where you go, your turn, your turn, your turn, your turn, your turn, your turn. Now I know here's what actually happens. Yeah. Also, like, I'd say pick it. Personally, I'd say, yes, you, you need to find a system like that. You need to find a system that, like, A, draws to you. Again, going back to passion, you have to be drawn to it. But also, if you can manage it, like one thing I love about 5e is it's simple. So find something that's simple that if you make up a rule on the fly or if you aren't sure, like even the game makers say just make something up 
come back to it later and say, okay, this is how the rule should have been, but you know, I did it this way this one time. We're all good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, to, to continue Go off ahead. of Bill, Bill's, yeah. you know, what he said, we just recently did that with uh, one of uh, my streams that uh, we, we do on the XP Guild called Harsh Realities of Innocent Minds. I'm not well-versed in 5e, unlike the previous editions. And um, essentially, when I was running the game, there were several moments that came down to rule mechanics and i just wavered them uh, you know i was like i'm gonna just make a rules call and because i wanted this it to be story driven more than you know you watching a stream and then suddenly everything just turns to a stop and so i could look up a rule for five ten fifteen minutes you know and instead of doing that i just you know said okay this is what happens instead you know, because of your role and everybody just moved on, you know, and then at the end, and that's the key thing is at the end of the game session, I think is when you should discuss that. Yeah. As far as was that a right call? It was everybody cool with that, you know? Um, yeah. I on just board. Wanted, yeah. yeah I was say on, on board your players early on too. like, just go, Hey, I'm new and I'm learning the system. I'm learning the mechanics. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make some rules as we go, or I'm going to make some calls on the rules as we go to keep the story going, to keep the action going. I don't want to sit there. Even if you're playing in person, you're not streaming. It's well, yeah. It sucks for players just there while you're looking through pages, unless it's a huge game breaking thing that you think like for percent <laughs> rule that you can't just make up on the fly. But 98% of the time, just, Tell them ahead of time. Just look. I'm new. I'm learning the system. Whatever. Um, I'm gonna make some calls. Even if you're a 20 year DM in that system, it's like I'm gonna make a call on this ruling, and then we can look it up later and for future tense and purposes. But for this, this is how it's gonna work. So, in short, improvisation is a big part of being a DM. Oh yeah. I mean, in my, yeah. In anyone's case, because it doesn't matter. Like Dave does notoriously like 20 pages prepped <laughs> for a session i might exaggerate but and i'm like give no. me three sentences two characters and an idea and i'm good like and that's like over prepping for me um <laughs> see i've done those kinds of those t kinds of quests because at one point i was on a 24-hour server being a dungeon master mod so i was nice. running three four hour, four hour sessions a day yeah wow. uh, so this this was very tedious at the time but uh i had a blast doing it and yeah. so we ran the, the three sessions a day no no worries right yeah but i remember at one point one of my sessions had 13 people in it and i'm just like yeah, holy <laughs> crap i was taking over the server for popularity of the dms and i'm just like look look i'm just trying to have a good time here like yeah I'm sorry, guys. Thirteen people can't sit in in one session. This is just too much. <laughs> um, I, I, I actually have a thing about that. <laughs> so, my majority of a lot of my in-person games, not so much on my on, on um, online games, started out at eight people um, because I, I. That's another thing that I would like to say about new DMs. There is a little word that you can say that's not going to hurt 
everybody's feelings. And it's a two letter word. No, <laughs> um, I was notorious for not listening to my own, you know, advice. Um, so a five party game, you blink and then you're looking around and you're going, why is there like 12 to 15 players sitting at my table? And that was one of the games I actually ran. Uh, an average of 12 people showed up every week for two years. And well, that's a very successful run. Yes, yes. Um, and But other, other games, I've had similar things, you know, six, eight, ten people, you know. Majority of them last, you know, one to three years. So, but, you know... My thing is, like, you can over prep all day long and you have this big thing written out, all these plans for what's going to happen, how things are going to go. And within five minutes of the game starting, your players decide to <laughs> can all of that and go to a new place that you didn't even design yet um, yeah. or whatever. Like, they grab onto a different adventure hook that you're like, well, last session, you guys were like almost 100% sure you were going to go this way. And this session, all of a sudden, you said, oh, forget that guy. We're not going to go save the princess in the castle. We're going to go slaughter this village of, you know, barbarians or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. you or, know, so or, or, or make friends with your monster, Yeah, you know. Oh, <laughs> um, yes, because charm creature and charm person are things. Yeah, or yeah. even just nat 20 on charisma rolls or whatever, where you're like, you know, like, I wouldn't have thought that this Etten is going to go and be your friend, but you were very convincing. So I guess I guess we're going to figure that out now. Our, our, <laughs> Somebody... second, our second run of our, our module which, that we're coming out with, it's called The Chase. There is a role in there that the party runs into garbage basically and disturbs a wasp slash hornet's nest and okay. they're attacked you know for a, a set amount of points because you know you disturbed a hornet's nest and stuff like that they figured out a way to make friends with the hornets enough so to get them into a bag of holding and release them out onto another enemy within that same module Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, wow. so be prepared. So never, yeah, be prepared. Know. New DMs. <laughs> roll, roll with them punches. Just you know the yes and thing in improv. Uh, you know, I when I first started listening to other DMs talk about these, like on podcasts and uh, you know YouTube things, I was like, okay, that, that's that's an interesting concept. I'm curious how that works. And then as you start practicing it, you're like, hmm, yeah. That's apparently very important. Oh yeah. Um, where one thing that I know I will say right now to avoid as any DM, regardless on your experience level, unless you're deliberately being a dick to your party, and I say mm. this with great enthusiasm, <laughs> don't ever use the Tomb of Horrors. Oh no. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I've played Just Tomb of don't. Horrors. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, that's another onboarding is, thing. Yeah, this 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 
dungeon is seriously the worst constructed piece of garbage that has ever been there. It's strictly made to punish your players. You can have level 25 5th edition players walk in and never walk out. Yeah, well, there's a lot of rules that it's like, if you do this, you just die. Like, yeah. I, I oh, had yeah. one where like I was a shadow monk when I played that. And I like did this thing and something was happening. I teleported over here and the DM's like, yeah, you die. And I was like, no save, no, you know, maneuvers. I no, it says here that if you do that, you die. I was like, all right, cool. Here's my other character. Like, an, an, <laughs> yeah, another another thing to add to that. A uh, lot. Well, in general, all a lot of the old school modules and stuff like that are like that. Another accessory that you can get a your hands on that if if you want to just you know outright you know have no players at all. Um, then, uh, it's called Grimtooth's Traps. They are solely, that entire series is solely to murder your party members. But, you know, here's the thing, though. You can (laughs) actually, I I, I do both sides of the storyline. And and that's one thing that you've got to set your party up with is, or your players in general. It's like, outright have that session zero talk to them say this is what i would like to do if y'all are on board with this awesome we're going to do a murder hobo campaign of doom where i am outright going to try to kill y'all and y'all have to survive and if y'all do woot (laughs) you know so that that is pretty much where this uh sao inspired uh game is going it is one of those games that is designed to kill your players because player death has to be implemented in some way. It has to seem real enough, right? You don't get a death save. If your HP hits zero, you're starting over. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that, yeah. that I, I even looked at that mechanic when I first saw the concept and I'm like, uh oh, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> that's 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 an iffy, risky, risky move. I mean, especially if you don't tell your players what's going on. I mean, because you're going to have a lot of a lot of pissed off players that are going to flip your table and throw your dice across, you know, to the in the trash can, so on and so forth, you know. Um, But but if you let your players know, it's like, hey, we're going to do this as a one shot, a mini campaign just to blow off steam, you know, get the adrenaline. It's it's funny because I've run the best one shots in person when the party dies amazingly enough everybody like screams at the table gets excited it's like yeah you know and and they're like we want to do it again i'm like no 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 we ain't doing it again for a while guys (laughs) you know but uh i let them know i let them know i'm like hey you know this this is what i'm going to run for you guys are y'all cool with that and two-thirds of your players would like hell yeah i need i i need that adrenaline junkie release you know from the crappy week or whatever i've had so you know they'll go <laughs> yeah. but but if you're running a long standing campaign where players are invested in their characters and stuff like that don't pull the module of death out of your butt and to run it for them <laughs> you know so yeah like with my game i even looked at my player look 
this game, you realize it, it it's going to follow to a T what the show did, right? Like for mechanics and everything. So what the first quarter of it, we're, we're, we're risking possibly actually losing our permanent character. I'm like, yeah. And then starting from scratch, <laughs> and they're just like, ah, uh, what? I'm like, yeah, if the party gets swept, everybody's starting from scratch. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're just I'm, like, whoa. And, 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 and to go off, off, off for, for new DMs and stuff like that, learn from your mistakes. <laughs> oh, yes. So, yeah, I mean, the first, I, I, the first I, mistake I find that is common between me and every DM that I've, I've talked to so far is they get all excited about their first ever session and they wind up giving away a magical item that is more damage than they bargained for and it completely throws off the balance of combat entirely because one of your players has like triple the damage of every other player in your party. Yeah. I've made that mistake. Yeah. Again, though, that's the time where you need to, again, get your characters, your players on board with this too and say, okay, I did this. Um, There's a couple ways that you can go about this. I can hand out more magical items to everyone. Everyone's overpowered, and now you're going to fight, like, CR20 things. Um, Or maybe we tone that weapon down. Either uh, we homebrew that down to something, or maybe I can swap it out with something else, because this really didn't make the game fun for all these other players. Well, yeah, because it was, like, one godly guy with the javelin of lightning. Yeah. I mean, and, how fun! And, how fun is that for the other four players, other three players? Yeah, and right after that session, right, because I was doing my first session as a DM, period, and the the other DM that was teaching me was sitting and listening. He didn't tell me anything until after to try to be nice about it, like, "Hey, man, this way the players don't think you're up to anything weird, but you shouldn't have given them a magic item." and they're like, we're going to be spending about a week trying to figure out how to rebalance the whole system because of this. I'm like, oh, shit. So I threw like nine other DMs completely off their game for a week because I added one item into the game too soon. Yeah. I mean, and then like, wow. there's, there's always that like story arc where then you can have, you know, somebody steal the weapon or steal the item like while they're sleeping or whatever, then that becomes a new quest. <laughs> you know, like that exactly. Could be you know, exactly. There's so many creative escapes with uh, being a DM, and you're really just limited to what your your brain can think of on the fly. Yeah, and that's the thing. I Don't mean, be afraid too to like say, okay, as you see something developing or you see something breaking, you see something like, all right, I need like five, 10 minutes. Um, let's all go to the bathroom, get drinks, get soda, whatever, um, get a snack. And you sit down and just either brainstorm or look over some rules, or figure out what it needs to happen to make this game fun again for everybody. Wow. Yes, that is. Yes. <laughs> I can't even say anything else, but that is yes. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. I I know it sounds really unprofessional to put it that way, but like, I I don't have any other way of putting it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it makes sense the way you're explaining it. I mean, and, and it doesn't take much to do that either. I mean, it you know, I mean, 
I mean, a, a 30 minute break is, is all you need to, you know, reset everything. So, I mean, in the end, it's a game. Everyone has to be having fun. So whatever it takes to make that happen, if, if that means pulling all the players out of the, the moment, just be like, look, this is not working. Like, and I know it was my fault or whatever, but we need to change this somehow because like the story is breaking because of this, or, you know, these other three players are sitting there hating life because nothing they do matters compared to what this other character can do now because I did this or. Yeah. And that's also where I kind of have started to do this standard rule. If one player gets a magical item, that the other players have a similar magical item of their own that complements them in such a way that doesn't completely break the game, but also winds up giving everybody a piece of magic that helps them further along. Yeah. Like a ring of protection, for example. Spreading that love is nice. Um, Or if you do give out a powerful item, um, Never be afraid to make it cursed or make it like, <laughs> yeah. you know, a sentient item that's like some evil oh. entity trying to screw with the players. Um, oh, then yes. at least, Yeah, at least that player may be really powerful doing this, but now they have to make charisma saves or be possessed or, you know, might go out and murder someone because that's what the item wants you to do. Um, yeah, they wake up in the middle of the night or the next morning in a completely different place, you know, sweating and blood blood covered, and they're wondering <laughs> what happened, <laughs> you know. So well, the, there was a, a little comedic way I've actually done a mechanic like this, and I called it the relentless banter blade. Um, and the objective of this this weapon is it was a one d four damage weapon. That had a curse of binding, so you could not let go of it. Okay? This enchanted item would constantly talk to you as long as you were holding the item. But you could not put it down. My party dedicated an hour and a half to figure out how to get that banter blade out of that person's hand so they don't have to carry it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) that's, That's another great way. Just make it so there's some reason that they're willing to part with that amazing weapon or that amazing thing and, um, you know, do it willingly. And that even makes it better than, like, the stealing the weapon. And now they're, like, mad because you just stole their powerful weapon. It's like, oh, you had this weapon, but now all of a sudden that you were fully attuned to it, here's this other cursed part of this. Well, I was kind of pulling a little bit of a finger move at my uh, players just to... Because the the session prior, they cheesed me off a little bit. So I'm like, fine, you want to make fun of me? I'll make fun of you guys. And I put in the blade as a gag. It was in the center of a room full of treasure. And when they drew the blade, it began to talk and bound to the person. They stayed in that room for the hour and a half to remove the person's arm so that they could use magic to replace that arm and the banter blade would be left behind in the pile of treasure <laughs> within five minutes they're just like nope this thing is not staying <laughs> yeah. so it, it, I, I like to 
throw in comedy as well because so- sometimes it's just the random things that wind up making it funny too. I mean, if oh, you yeah. can get players laughing, then they're having a good time. In my that, mind, at least. And that's the important yeah, yeah. part, right? It's a game. It's not, yeah. you know. Yeah and, yeah, and it really and it really depends on the mood of, of your game. You know, I mean, if you're doing uh, dark, serious, gritty, you know, horror stuff, you want to go the exact opposite. <laughs> you know, you want people to do the whole shock and, oh, my God, you know. But, I mean, if you're just having a lighthearted game, you know, and stuff like that, yeah, comedy is great and uh, can actually move your storyline quite far, actually. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um that is very true. Uh, with the with the comedy aspect, like the the perfect game for me that represents these two drastic opposites on how it can be run is Paranoia, and <laughs> no. you can you can really dumb it down for the system so everything's just a d twenty roll, and you can get some really ridiculous outcomes because of it, or you can go to the system's truth and give that sci fi anxiety feel. And where you actually get hyped up because you feel so anxious. Every corner you turn, you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, I'm going to climb into a trance tube. Well, I don't know if that thing's going to just crush me because it's broken. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. For sure. I loved the feel of that game. Yeah. But um, I don't want to rob you guys of too much time. I would. I, I want to say thank you so much for giving me the time you've already given me uh, with you guys. The episode will probably be a couple of days after uh, the recording here, just because I'm going to have a couple of other DMs come and sit in on the show and discuss the same topic. This is going to be a very long podcast episode, so I will probably have you guys on the front end of the podcast. Well, thank you for having us. So, oh no! And, uh, By all know. means, I was ecstatic. You guys even replied to me. <laughs> no. We're just just a couple guys having fun uh, rolling. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know. um, yeah. Yeah. Let us know when everything goes live because uh, I'd love to listen in on what other people have to say about the topic and you know yeah. see how stupid I sound. <laughs> well, honestly, I think we sound pretty good, but uh, <laughs> I guess we'll find out when the recording comes out. <laughs> but. Uh, Thank you guys so much. It's been an absolute dream talking with you guys. And honestly, it's a bit of a, a fanfic come true because I was always like, I've been watching you guys for a little bit on, on and off. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I kind of want to talk to these guys because now that I'm doing podcasts, I want to talk to these guys. I know I can find them somewhere. And well, I found you guys. No, I believe I've, I've, I've watched quite a few of uh, videos that came from the XP Guild, now that I think about it. Oh, that's yeah, we, cool. have, we have a lot more to come out on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a little behind on editing, um, but that hopefully uh, I will get back on that horse very soon. Yeah, and, and, and we're, get, we're getting better at the tech, too, so there's less episodes that are, like, messed up. <laughs> so, uh, well, there you go. Will, yeah. That's going to be great. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for coming in. Uh, I will send you the link as soon as I have it uploaded. And again, thanks so much for coming in. This has been a blast, guys. Awesome. Thank you. It was fun. All right. Have a great day. You too. You too. All right. Bye.